You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up for Friday, April the 21st. Actually, we're recording on late Thursday, April the 20th this week. Nonetheless, it is Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, hello. Hey, Craig. Uh, glad to be here. As you know, I'm down under. And the time zone's a little different here, so that's why the necessity to do this uh, on Thursday afternoon, Eastern Time. It has been a very interesting week while you have been in the Southern Hemisphere, my friend. We should probably just dive right in and talk about the metals themselves. While gold is only off a couple of dollars, silver is down, uh, at least as we speak, more than 3% on the week. Probably can relate that to the cot structure more than anything else, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Well, I mean, it's exactly what I think. I mean, I think they use, sometimes they use gold going down to try to get silver down. But I think what they're really after is silver because there's this huge short position in silver, which is way beyond uh, explicability, if you will, that if it ever got out of control, I mean, every dollar up is a billion one losses, okay, to the uh, commercial hedgers, uh, the bankers, effectively. And I think they're trying to get it under control here. But as you have commented, we've commented, I mean, the open open interest just doesn't seem to want to go down. In other words, they can't get the longs to capitulate. And so we might have a sort of totally new uh, situation where the longs are getting kind of adamant that they should hang in there. And even, for example, Craig, as we look today, we see that uh, platinum and palladium are very strong today. Very strong. I think palladium's up uh, something like 3% today. So, you know, to see silver down one while the other two metals are up and, you know, gold's uh, basically treading water, it, it's obvious that they're after silver because of this imbalance in the market uh, that they're afraid of losing control over. So hopefully they will lose control over it. It gets a little more demand, for, you know, people who honor their contract and say, well, I'll take the physical, thank you very much, and this thing will uh, will blast off here. Eric, I want to get your thoughts on this little notion. I, I, I noticed this earlier today. You know, uh, total silver demand every year eats up almost all of supply because so much of the silver that's supplied every year goes to industrial purposes, leaving only about 250 million ounces for investment purposes. But on the COMEX, just so far in 2017, the banks have created 350 million ounces in paper silver. That's a pretty neat trick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's staggering. And it's been staggering, as you know, for quite a while. I mean, this is not new what happens in silver. And I, I'll remember to this day the the break in, uh, I guess it was 2011, when the silver was at uh, 49.50. And it's just like they just ripped it apart. It was so obvious that what was going on. Um, but that's the way the market is. And someday, you know, all of us who are involved in silver wait for that day. Uh, when there is a reconciliation between the physical demand and the supply and that things just uh, start ripping the other way. So uh, that day gets sooner, the more these, the more the open interest goes up and the more these shorters keep throwing um, paper silver at the market, the more, the more likely it is that they ultimately lose the game. I know I might call it losing the war. Well, right, Eric. And the only way that we're going to win the war is to get people to reject all forms of precious metal that aren't purely physical, the all synthetic futures contracts, all shares of the ETFs like the GLD and the SLV, and stack physical only. In fact, for those of people that don't know, Sprott Money Precious Metal Storage Program 
is one of the best in the business. We've got five international storage vaults and the most competitive prices you'll find. Buy some physical metal, hold it in one of Sprott's international vaults. You can learn all about it at the international storage page at SprottMoney.com. Eric, the demand for physical metal is is growing uh, around the world. For March, India alone imported 121 metric tons of gold. Russia imported another 25. In April alone, that same GLD I just referenced allegedly added has added so far almost 30 metric tons. We're seeing quite a move toward physical metal demand. Uh, what do you make of all this? And, and Craig, this is a world where ex-China, ex-Russia, you know, there's only 220 tons produced per month. So these numbers uh, are, you know, huge factors in those, those monthly output numbers. And uh, I mean, I guess the most important thing for us is that the Indians have come back in here. Okay, that this the remonetization created a huge problem for gold, but now uh, the, the markets have really reasserted themselves here. Uh, as I look at what's going on in the world, which is uh, almost like chaotic, what's going on? How anybody can predict what's going to happen in the world in the next two weeks? I have no idea. I mean, it's just crazy what's what's happening out there and the flip flopping and you know the, the, the talking of nuclear this and nuclear that. My God, um, not that gold's going to save in a nuclear thing, but uh, for those that are saved. For those that are saved in the nuclear war, you, you'd want to have a little bit of gold anyway. So, <laughs> anyway, it's just uh, it's it's hard to understand why the demand hasn't uh, really pushed things up. And of course, well, it is easy to understand. They cap it. The commercials cap it by shorting the stuff. So someday they'll they'll just wear this thing, and uh, can't happen soon enough for you and I. Yes. Now, on the economic side, things continue to deteriorate. We'll get an official guess at U.S. first quarter GDP. Oh, in just a few days, but at present, the Atlanta Fed, which is a pretty good guesser, has us at just 0.5% for the first quarter. To meet the Fed's goal of 3% for all of 2018, we've now, or 17, we've now got to average 3.8% the rest of the way. You think we've got a shot at that? I kind of laugh at it because like, it almost is sickening that every year we start out with a 3% estimate, but when we get, when we get to the end of the year, it's you know something in the low ones right. when it's all over, and of course there's always this optimism at the beginning of the year. You know, be, this is going to be the year that we hit uh, whatever escape velocity, you know, <laughs> and it just falls apart because it has to because people's wages aren't going up, and and there's more inflation than we talk about, and uh, their ability to spend money goes down. That's why their retail sales are punky now. The auto sales are punky. I mean, it's the uh, home sales uh, are, are, were punky in uh, March compared to February because the seasonal adjustments stopped working on that. Uh, so, yeah, there's lots of reasons to know that there's no, there's hardly any strength in the economy here. Uh, look at uh, what's going on in Europe. I can just imagine the concern everyone must have over what could happen there in the next few months. Mm-hmm. So um, there's no recovery happening. Uh, this will be one of the worst quarters that we've had at, if it comes in at, let's say, the point five that Philly, that the... Uh, uh, Atlanta Fed is suggesting. So, yeah, it's a, the same old thing. It's, it's just not happening. Yep. Eric, one last question this week. Uh, I know a lot of folks out there trade and hold the mining shares. And the big news that came out since we last spoke was this notion that the GDXJ, the, the junior ETF, which is about one of the biggest mining share ETFs out there, is going through a whole transformation and that the 
The JNUG, which is a three-time levered fund, is going to stop issuing shares altogether. A lot of folks are really uh, curious about all of this, whether it's good or bad for the sector in the short term and the long term. I just want to get your thoughts on, I guess, really just in general of what this might all mean. Well, I guess in the short term, you know, when you take a demand away from a certain group of stocks, the ones that were already in the GDX, then they're going to come under some pressure here, okay? Uh, so, for example, I'm the chairman of Kirkland Lake Gold. I think our weighting in the index used to be four. It's going to go down to 2.2 or something, okay? And theoretically, there's going to be, I think, it was something like 8 million shares sold, uh, which over the short term, for sure, is, is not going to be uh, uh, good for the stock. Not to say the short term can end very quickly here, okay? A lot of people would have adjusted to this already. And what they did was they increased the size of company that could be included in the junior index. And I, I'm not sure of these exact numbers, but it's I think maybe the top weighting is if you had 2.5 billion, under 2.5 billion, you could be in the junior index. Now they're changing that. I don't even know what the number is, but it's like 3.5 billion or 4.5 billion. So now they're going to be including some of those bigger companies in the junior index so that the juniors in the index will all have lesser positions. So it's across the board. Anything in there, it almost gets cut in half uh, what the involvement will be. What it tells you, and, and also the, uh, the JNUG, uh, the fact that uh, they won't let you buy new, sh- new, sh- new uh, shares in that, uh, new units in that ETF, is because everyone's having trouble buying uh, junior gold stocks. That's the problem, that there's not enough stocks around for the latent interest that we have in people getting involved in um, gold mining or precious metals mining at a lower level, because most often in life, the big stocks are reasonably valued. It's always the small ones where you can get your uh, biggest torque. And I think most uh, seasoned uh, investors would know that. So you're not going to go out and buy the biggest of the big and expect to you know, make an outsized return. Whereas if you buy a smaller company, you will expect an outsized return. And that's why there was so much interest in this. Uh, so on a temporary basis, it's slowing down the interest uh, in terms of how, how it can manifest itself in the market, but it can't slow down the interest in it mentally, if you know what I mean. People are doing this for a reason because they want to be involved in the precious metal area, which for you and I is exactly what we think they should be doing. So they'll just have to find different routes in, and I'm sure they will find different routes in. Yeah, at the end of the yeah. day, it sounds like it is a positive for everyone that's already in the sector because we're just simply seeing more and more demand for the shares and that should manifest itself over time as higher prices. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you know, higher prices, I mean, the, the torque effect on uh, the valuation for stocks is uh, like you get a pretty damn good multiplier there. I mean, you can get a three, three, four to one ratio in the stocks versus uh, the metals. So, that's why people go to the junior stocks. And uh, myself, I always buy small companies. I rarely ever would buy a big company. So uh, people should stick to that script. Well, all right, my friend. That's some excellent information. I very much value your insights, as I know everyone listening to us does as well. I wish you a safe trip back home across the Pacific, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Okay, Craig. All of us have a great weekend. And from all of us here at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening and have a great weekend.